0: Hello and welcome to The Bipolar Feminist. I'm Nikita Ramkissoon, and today we're talking about autism and its intricacies. Trigger warning. This episode makes mention of all symptoms that resonate with those who have autism, including anxiety, depression, abuse, misunderstandings, PTSD, medical trauma, invalidation, and vaccine myths, among other traumas. Disclaimer. While the research for this episode was intensive and information cited from trustworthy sources, it is not intended to replace medical advice. Should you feel any of the symptoms that reflect the feelings described here, please seek the help of a medical professional. Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, is a developmental disability caused by differences in the brain. Some people with ASD have a known difference such as a genetic condition. Other causes are not yet known. Scientists believe that there are multiple causes of ASD that act together to change the most common ways people do develop. We still have much to learn about these causes and how they impact people living with ASD. People living with ASD may behave, communicate, interact, and learn in ways that are different from most others. Often, nothing about how they look sets them apart from other people. The abilities of people with ASD can vary significantly. For example, some people with ASD may have advanced conversation skills, whereas others may be nonverbal. Some people with ASD need a lot of help in their daily lives, yet others can work and live with little to no support. ASD begins before the age of three years old and can last throughout a person's life, although symptoms may improve over time. Some children show ASD symptoms within the first 12 months of life, and others, symptoms may not show up until 24 months of age or later. Some children with ASD gain new skills and meet developmental milestones until around 18 to 24 months of age, and then some of them stop. They stop gaining new skills or lose the skills they once had. As children with ASD become adolescents and young adults, they may have difficulties developing and maintaining friendships, communicating with peers and adults or understanding what behaviors are expected of them in school or at a job. They may come to the attention of healthcare providers because they also have conditions such as anxiety, depression or ADHD, which occur more often in people with ASD than in people without ASD. Autism tends to occur more frequently than expected among individuals who have certain medical conditions, including Fragile X syndrome, tuberous sclerosis, congenital rubella syndrome and untreated phenylketaronia. Some harmful substances ingested during pregnancy also have been associated with an increased likelihood of autism. Autism spectrum disorder includes conditions that were previously considered separate. Asperger's syndrome, childhood disintegrative disorder, and an unspecified form of pervasive developmental disorder. Some people still use the term Asperger's syndrome, which is generally thought to be at the mild end of the autism spectrum. Let's talk about the term Asperger's syndrome. Millions of people are identified with Asperger's syndrome as a diagnosis, an identity, and even an adjective. Asperger's name has permeated into our culture, yet we no longer invoke it. Naming medical diagnoses after individuals is an honor, meant to recognize those who discover conditions and to commend their work. While there is a move towards descriptive diagnostic labels in medicine, certain names have entered our everyday language, like Alzheimer's, and will likely endure. Unlike doctors Alzheimer and Parkinson, for example, Hans Asperger neither described Asperger's syndrome as we understand it today nor merits commendation. A look into his past in Nazi Vienna shows his complicity in the Nazi regime and its euthanasia program that murdered children considered to be disabled. Contrary to Asperger's reputation as a resistor in the Third Reich, he approved the transfer of dozens of children to Vienna's killing center, Spiegelgrund, where they perished. He publicly spoke and published about the need to send the most difficult cases to Spiegelgrund. He was also close to colleagues with top euthanasia figures in Vienna, including Urban Jekyllius, who was engaged to Hitler's sister. Nazi ideology shaped Asperger's research. Children in the Third Reich were to display community, spirit, and being enthusiastic participants in collective activities such as the Hitler Youth, and those who didn't were punished severely. In Germany in the 1930s, Nazi psychiatrists identified children whom they believed lacked social feelings, unable to join the national community. Asperger, in his early 30s, warned against classifying children, arguing that they should be regarded as individuals. But right after the Third Reich annexed Austria in 1938 and the purge of his Jewish and liberal associates from the University of Vienna, Asperger followed his senior colleagues in Nazi psychopathy. The term psychopathy carried criminal connotations in Nazi child psychiatry and indeed Asperger attributed to sadistic traits to autistic children. His definition of the diagnosis grew harsher year after year as he sought promotion to associate professor under his ardent Nazi mentor, Franz Hamburger. I couldn't find any information on her. By 1944, while lauding the highly original genius of children on the favorable end of his autistic range, he said those on the unfavorable end would grow up to roam the streets as originals, grotesque and dilapidated. He also embraced the fascist rhetoric of Nazi community. In this view, autism was the psychological opposite of Nazism. In the post-war period, Asperger distanced himself from his Nazi-era work on autistic psychopathy. His work remained little known outside Austria until Lorna Wing discovered Asperger's 1944 thesis and publicized the diagnosis in 1981 as Asperger's Syndrome. The idea took off. In 1992, the World Health Organization included it as a distinct diagnosis in its International Classification of Diseases, 10th Revision, or ICD-10. And in 1994, the American Psychiatric Association added Asperger's disorder to its Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the dsm four. Dear listener, I am recording live and while on TikTok, found out that Grunya Sukareva was the first person to discover autism. It says here... In 1924, a 12-year-old boy was brought to a Moscow clinic for an evaluation. By all accounts, he was different from his peers. Other people did not interest him much, and he preferred the company of adults to that of children his own age. He never played with toys, he taught himself to read by age 5, and spent his days reading everything he could instead. At the clinic, a young gifted doctor, Grunya Sukareva, saw the boy. Caring and attentive, she observed him with a keen eye, noting that he was highly intelligent and liked to engage in philosophical discussions. By way of a diagnosis, she described him as an introverted type with an autistic productivity to himself. Autistic was a relatively new adjective in psychiatry at the time, and about a decade earlier, Swiss psychiatrist Eugene Bleuler had coined the term to describe the social withdrawal and detachment from reality often seen in children with schizophrenia. So Kareva's characterization came nearly two decades before Austrian doctors Leo Kanner and Hans Asperger published what have long been considered to be the first clinical accounts of autism. Of course, being a woman, her research was ignored, isn't it? Getting back to the scripted work. Neither body, it would seem, thoroughly vetted Asperger's life during the Third Reich before giving the diagnosis his name. The new idea of an autism spectrum encompassed many different types of children. Navigating the diagnosis became more complicated. In the US, the broad category of pervasive developmental disorder included autism, Asperger's disorder, and pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified. In reality, the lines between the diagnostic criteria were fuzzy. PDDNOS nos was applied as autism light, while Asperger's disorder hinged upon whether speech was sufficiently typical. While diagnostic subdivisions of the autism spectrum seemed subjective, the labels have profound real-world consequences. A person diagnosed with autism typically received far more public services and school support than a person diagnosed with Asperger's Disorder, or PDD-NOS. Children with the latter diagnosis often went without the help they needed. Because of distinct diagnostic criteria, the American Psychiatric Association reclassified Asperger's Disorder and PDD-NOS as the Autism Spectrum Disorder in 2013. Now the World Health Organization is poised to do the same in its international classification of diseases. Losing the Asperger's diagnosis has been controversial since many identify with it more than they do with autism or fear that the spectrum is being narrowed, that some people with these needs might not meet the change criteria for autism and thus go without support. And that is a very real fear, especially considering the way in which healthcare is being privatized and lack of access is being given to the poor. The symptoms of autism vary from person to person, and some children show signs of autism spectrum disorder in early infancy, such as reduced eye contact, lack of response to their name, or indifference to caregivers. Others may develop normally for the first few months, but suddenly become withdrawn or aggressive or lose language skills they have already acquired. Each person with autism spectrum disorder is likely to have a unique pattern of behaviour and level of severity, from low functioning to high functioning, forgive the terms. Some children with autism spectrum disorder have difficulty learning. Others with the disorder have normal to high intelligence, or what is considered normal. They learn quickly, yet have trouble communicating and applying what they know to everyday life and adjusting to social situations. Because of the unique mixture of symptoms in each person, severity can sometimes be difficult to determine. It is generally based on the level of impairments and how they impact the ability to function within capitalist society. Diagnosing ASD can be difficult since there is no medical test, like a blood test, to diagnose the disorder. Doctors look at the person's behavior and development to make a diagnosis. Many children do not receive a final diagnosis until they are much older, adults even later. Some people are not diagnosed until they're adolescents or adults. This delay means that people with ASD might not get the early help that they need. Some autistic adults may exhibit symptoms that resemble ADHD. Others may have symptoms like impaired spoken language. Adult autism can manifest in different ways. Regardless of manifestation or severity, symptoms can pose challenges in everyday life. And as our understanding of these challenges improves, more people than ever are being diagnosed. Common symptoms of autism in adults include difficulty interpreting what others are thinking or feeling, trouble interpreting facial expressions, body language, or social cues, difficulty regulating emotion, trouble keeping up a conversation, inflection that does not reflect true feelings, difficulty maintaining the natural give and take of a conversation prone to monologuing on a favorite subject or prone to interruption, tendency to engage in repetitive or routine behaviors, only participating in a restricted range of activities, strict consistency to daily routines, or outburst when changes occur, or no routine at all, or exhibiting strong, special interests. Autism is typically a lifelong condition, though early diagnosis and treatment can make a tremendous difference to how it is managed. It has no single known cause. Given the complexity of the disorder and the fact that symptoms and severity vary, there are probably many causes. Both genetics and environment may play a role. Several different genes appear to be involved in autism spectrum disorder, for some, It may be associated with a genetic disorder such as Rett syndrome or Fragile X syndrome, as mentioned before. For others, genetic changes or mutations may increase the risk of autism spectrum disorder. Still, other genes may affect brain development or the way in which brain cells communicate, or they may determine the severity of symptoms. Some genetic mutations seem to be inherited, while others occur spontaneously. Researchers are currently exploring whether factors such as viral infections, medications or complications during pregnancy or even air pollutants play a role in triggering autism spectrum disorder. One of the greatest controversies in autism spectrum disorder centers on whether a link exists between the disorder and childhood vaccines. Spoiler alert, there is no link. Despite extensive research, no reliable study has shown a link between ASD and any vaccines. In fact, the original study that ignited the debate years ago has been retracted due to poor design and questionable research methods. Avoiding childhood vaccinations can place a child and others in danger of catching and spreading serious diseases, including whopping cough, measles, or mumps. There is no way to prevent ASD, but there are treatment options. Early diagnosis and intervention are the most helpful and can improve behavior, skills, and language development. However, intervention is helpful at any age. Though children usually don't outgrow autism traits, they may learn workarounds to exist within society. A few people I spoke to over the past week gave me many things that they struggle with as people living with autism. One is misunderstandings. Because of differences in ways of expressing ourselves, our intentions can easily be misunderstood and we can be mistakenly seen as being judgmental or challenging, she says. Or what we offer as respectful honesty or openness can be mistaken for rudeness. This can lead to hostile reactions and complications in mutual understanding or it might be more subtle in the same way as autistic people can often have difficulty with conventional social cues non-autistic people can have difficulty with cues used and understood by autistic people she says so even if you are really open to connecting with someone or they are really open to connecting with you or both the connection often doesn't happen because of this Or, if you want to get on at work, your efforts and intentions may not be registered for the same reason and your abilities may never be recognised or utilised. Another is the social instinct. It is such a common experience among autistic people to be able to make a great and confident contribution in a structured formal setting, for example at a work meeting where the means of contribution is obvious, but then to become uncertain and disoriented when there is a break in the conversation and it turns to sport or politics or holidays or family, or other small talk. I think this uncertainty comes from a long history of the sorts of misunderstandings described above. She says it's not that autistic people do not want social contact, it's often quite the opposite, but their experience can bring a sense of inevitability that things will not often work out as envisaged, which can lead to a rabbit-in-headlights feeling of discomfort and confusion. This can result in either blurting out something that is considered totally inappropriate or withdrawing from the situation altogether. This, in turn, can be easily mistaken as rudeness or disinterest or cold detachment, when it's no such thing. The resultant awkwardness tends to ever more entrench social anxiety around autism, and it fuels more inappropriate responses or withdrawal, and it deepens the vicious cycle. It means that the real sense of community, which an autistic person craves as much as anyone else, can often remain out of reach and unfulfilled. Networking and socializing is another. Seen as the ultimate means to success under capitalism, it can be not only intensively draining for autistic people, many of whom are naturally introverted, but it is to be noted that people living with autism are not that successful at conventional forms, for reasons outlined above. Misconstruing Meaning it is much harder for autistic people to put their energy into something when they can't connect to meaning in a role of sales manager for example where the measure of success is selling people things that they probably don't need and which necessitates the unnecessary expenditure of natural or human resources when those resources could be otherwise put to more beneficial use and where the ultimate result of your work is to make money for people who don't need it and to get a bonus for yourself is unlikely to hold any attraction whatsoever to an autistic person who is far more interested in making a meaningful and positive contribution to the world and leaving it in a better place at the end of each day than it was at the start. Therefore, fitting into society is kind of difficult. Another interviewee described knockbacks. They say these are inevitable in any situation, more so as responsibility increases and an inevitable part of being the fabric of human life. What is not generally appreciated and rarely even glimpsed is that such knockbacks can be experienced in a far more devastating way by people with autism. Others may or may not notice that a difficult situation has passed and the things go back to normal. They will rarely have any idea how deeply the autistic person has been shaken by it and they will be unlikely to have noticed that they may have disappeared from view for days having been unable to focus productively on anything during that time. It is a shock, not necessarily based on emotions or negative beliefs or self-criticism or anything like that, but rather on having been overwhelmed by the nature or intensity of what just happened. And finally, sensitivity. It is not only knockbacks that can lead to being overwhelmed. Sensory sensitivity in autism is well recognized, but emotional sensitivity is also very common, as is what I call cognitive sensitivity, they say, with the mind very easily overstimulated and unable to settle as a result of things that others may not think of as remarkable at all. It means there's not much opportunity in life for relaxation or respite. There are other things such as behavior as communication and stigma, but we will cover this in a later episode. The only way that people can be properly treated is acknowledgement, support and psychotherapeutic intervention. Not intervention in the sense of changing the person into what we require them to be under capitalism, but in the sense of providing a safe and nourishing environment so that they avoid the years of frustration where the trauma builds most and give them a real chance of going on to develop much more to their full potential. Thank you for listening. I would like to thank my patrons for making this podcast possible and to Elizabeth Melhorn for their insight into the experience of being on the spectrum. Should you wish to support my work, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee. See you next week when I will be discussing whiteness in relationships.